This is an Alert USA Threat Journal, Homeland Security Weekly Update for Saturday, June 27, 2020. This week in security news, on 11 occasions this week, Alert USA subscribers were notified via SMS messages to their mobile devices regarding safety and security matters. Most important for this report, just weeks after the COVID-19 coronavirus overwhelmed hospitals in and around New York City, Medical centers in Arizona, Florida, Texas, and other southern and western states are rapidly filling with sick patients threatening state health care systems. In California, the number of hospitalized COVID-19 patients surged 32% in the last two weeks. In Arizona, as of Wednesday, 88% of intensive care unit beds statewide were occupied, up from 68% just one month ago. In Texas, state health officials report the number of patients hospitalized with COVID-19 has more than doubled in just 10 days. On Wednesday of this week, the governors of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut issued a joint travel advisory that requires people arriving from states with high coronavirus rates to self-quarantine for 14 days. According to the joint announcement, the travel advisory applies to anyone coming from a state with a positive test rate higher than 10 per 100,000 residents over a 7-day rolling average or a state with a 10% or higher positivity rate over a 7-day rolling average. As of Wednesday, the advisory applies to people traveling from Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Utah, and Texas. The tri-state measure will use uniform parameters and messaging on highways and airports and other transportation hubs, as well as websites and social media across the three states. Each will also ask hotels to communicate the 14-day quarantine to guests who have traveled from one of the impacted states. Violating the quarantine mandate may come with a penalty. In New York, those violating the quarantine could be subject to a judicial order and mandatory quarantine, as well as a $2,000 fine for the first violation, $5,000 for the second violation, and $10,000 if harm is caused. During a White House Coronavirus Task Force briefing on Friday of this week, White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator Dr. Deborah Burks outlined some of the current understanding of the virus and who is at highest risk. Here is Dr. Burks. Um, just to remind everybody where we have come from in the last four months, we have a great deal of understanding now about the differential disease. Differential infections, no. We believe everybody is susceptible to infection. But we know infection leads to a spectrum of disease, and we have much better details about who is vulnerable and why they are vulnerable. And as the Vice President said, at one time, we were diagnosing people in the ICU after they came into the emergency room. And thanks to the millennials who have been heeding our guidance, they have been coming forward and getting testing. And so whereas before we told them to stay home, now we are telling them to be tested. And this is a great change for us because it allows us now to find the asymptomatic and the mild diseases that we couldn't find before. As Dr. Redfield talked about yesterday from the serology test, we have a great understanding of what was happening in March and the number of asymptomatic and mild conditions that led to individuals to have antibody but never come forward with significant disease. We now know who's at risk for significant disease. And we now know it's particularly the elderly, individuals over 80, and individuals with comorbidities. And remember, those comorbidities span the entire age group. We do know that we have people in the younger age groups with significant type 1 diabetes and may also have individuals with significant obesity. We know that those are risk factors. And so risk factors go with your comorbidity, not necessarily with your age. 
And so as we call on individuals to protect one another, by passing someone on the street, you don't know what comorbidities they have. And this is why we've been focused on trying to protect one another. Next, Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, singled out young Americans for being the most active spreaders of the coronavirus, as well as explained some of the unique challenges this particular virus poses. Here is an extended clip of Dr. Fauci's comments that are well worth listening to. When you have an outbreak of an infectious disease, it's a dynamic process that is global. So remember, what happened in China affected us. What happened in Europe affected us. What's happening here is affecting others. We can't get away from that. It's interconnected. So therefore, if we are an interconnected society, we've got to look at the fact of what our role is in trying to put an end to this. Because everybody wants to end it. Everybody wants to get back to normal. And everybody wants the economy to recover. I think we all are pretty common in that. That's a given. So what can we do? What I think upon talking to a lot of people and reflecting on it, we have such an unusual situation because of all of the decades that I've been involved in chasing infectious diseases. I've never seen anything that is so protean in its ability to make people sick or not. There's no other infectious disease that goes from 40% of the people having no symptoms to some having mild symptoms to some having severe, some requiring staying at home for weeks, some going to the hospital, some getting intensive care, some getting intubated, some getting ventilated, and some dying. So that depending on where you are in that spectrum, you have a different attitude to this particular thing. But anyone who gets infected or is at risk of getting infected, to a greater or less degree, is part of the dynamic process of the outbreak. And I know because I can understand when I was at a stage in my life when I said, well, I'm invulnerable, so I'm going to take a risk. I think what we're missing in this is something that we've never faced before, is that a risk for you is not just isolated to you. Because if you get infected, you are part, innocently or inadvertently, of propagating the dynamic process of a pandemic. Because the chances are that if you get infected, that you're going to infect someone else. And although you may feel well, and because we know, if you look at the numbers that you're probably here later on, the overwhelming majority now of people getting infected are young people, likely the people that you see in the clips and in the paper who are out in crowds enjoying themselves, understandably. No blame there, understandably. But the thing that you really need to realize that when you do that, you are part of a process. So if you get infected, you will infect someone else who clearly will infect someone else. We know that happens because the reproduction uh, element of the virus is not less than one. So people are infecting other people. And then ultimately, you will infect someone who's vulnerable. Now, that may be somebody's grandmother, grandfather, uncle who's on chemotherapy, aunt who's on radiation or chemotherapy, or a child who has leukemia. So there is what I call, and and again, I just want to bring this out without making it seem that anybody's at fault. You have an individual responsibility to yourself, but you have a societal responsibility because if we want to end this outbreak, really end it, and then hopefully when a vaccine comes and puts the nail in the coffin, we've got to realize 
that we are part of the process. So when the vice president went back, pulling back a couple of months ago, when we showed about the guidelines to safely reopen the country, we've got to make sure we drop back a few yards and think about that, that this is part of a process that we can be either part of the solution or part of the problem. As of the time of this report's preparation on Friday evening, there were more than 2,400,000 COVID-19 cases reported in the U.S., as well as more than 124,000 deaths attributed to the virus. In addition, at least 19 states are recording rapidly increasing hospitalizations as a result of the virus. Despite the dramatic influence of politics on the pandemic response, as well as the botched effort of federal and state health authorities in testing and accurate case counting, the two-step on the use of masks, the highly flawed rulemaking hampering the use of hydroxychloroquine in the treatment of those infected with COVID-19, and so much more, AlertUSA encourages listeners to remain conscious of the need to be cautious, not only out of concern for your own well-being, but that of others. The virus is still in circulation globally, it is still hospitalizing people globally, and it is still taking lives globally. You can find more on these stories in the latest issue of the Threat Journal email newsletter. If you are not already a subscriber, simply visit ThreatJournal.com and sign up today. The publication is free and will remain that way. Alert USA continues to monitor the overall domestic and international threat environment, as well as remains in regular contact with federal and state partners regarding the evolving situation with the coronavirus, and will immediately notify service subscribers via SMS messages and email of new alerts, warnings, and advisories, or any other factors which signal a change in the overall threat picture for American citizens as events warrant. Alert USA cautions listeners that the U.S. still faces significant threats from Iran and its proxies in this hemisphere. In addition, numerous Islamic State media groups continue their online propaganda campaigns, threatening attacks, as well as their efforts to inspire individuals to carry out attacks on their own. Just weeks ago, Alert USA subscribers were notified of a new audio message by Islamic State spokesman Abu Hamza al-Qureshi, who said that the COVID-19 coronavirus was Allah's punishment for crusaders and that recent attacks were only a taste of what lay ahead. And just a little over one month ago, FBI Director Christopher Wray publicly stated that al-Qaeda and its offshoots, including al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, remain intent on attacking the U.S. wherever they can and that the threat is real. So as to highlight the ongoing threat of radical Islamists in this country, just weeks ago, a New York police officer was stabbed in the neck by an assailant shouting Allahu Akbar. And also just weeks ago, a Syrian-born U.S. citizen carried out a shooting attack at the entrance to Naval Air Station Corpus Christi. The FBI has classified this attack as terrorism-related. As Alert USA subscribers are regularly reminded, Transnational terrorist organizations, including the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda, continue to urge recruits and followers to adopt easy-to-use tools to target public places and events. Specific tactics have included the use of vehicle ramming, small arms, edged weapons, homemade explosives, and poisons or toxins. Some terrorist groups overseas are using battlefield experiences to pursue new technologies and tactics, such as unmanned aerial systems and chemical agents that could be used outside of conflict zones. Many of these technologies are readily available. Additionally, terrorists continue to target commercial aviation and air cargo, including with concealed explosives. As the U.S. and the world slowly attempt to reopen following the first round with the coronavirus, Alert USA again encourages caution and vigilance when out in public. Our adversaries are watching and may attempt to take advantage of the current circumstances involving civil unrest and the coronavirus to carry out attacks. 
In travel security news, listeners are reminded that in addition to a U.S. government-issued worldwide caution which warns of the continuing threat of terrorism, political violence, and criminal activity globally, the U.S. State Department has in place a global Level 4 Do Not Travel Health Advisory urging U.S. citizens to avoid all international travel. Just last week, it was announced that the governments of the United States, Canada, and Mexico have agreed to extend restrictions on all but essential traffic and trade shipments across shared borders until at least July 21st due to the ongoing COVID-19 crisis. In addition, the Department of Defense has halted all uniformed and civilian personnel from traveling to, from, or through regions and nations with a CDC Level 3 COVID-19 designation through the end of June. Further, major regional U.S. military commands have canceled liberty and leave, as well as kept ships at sea in order to protect sailors and maintain operational readiness. If you are still planning travel abroad, regardless of the destination, AlertUSA strongly recommends checking out the U.S. State Department's travel website, as well as that of the CDC, for safety, security, and health considerations. In addition to U.S. government travel guidance, AlertUSA also recommends taking a few minutes to visit the equivalent websites of the Canadian, Australian, and British governments to see the travel guidance that those nations are providing to their citizens as threats, assessments, and travel restrictions can and do vary. This has been an Alert USA Threat Journal Homeland Security Weekly Update for Saturday, June 27, 2020.